Hey friends, I'm glad you're here. Uh, if you're online with us, welcome as well, and everybody that's in this room. Um, just a couple uh, tag-on announcements. Uh, I'm telling you right now, I know you've heard a lot of transformational stories, but um, Rooted is coming up. It is a cool tool that God has been using to really do some transformation in people's lives. And some of you here right now might be saying like, yeah, I don't know if that's for me. Um, I'm not even a beginner. Or I'm not in a bad spot. I'm in a good spot or wherever you find yourself. It literally is for everyone in any place. If you need a refresh and you need a reconnection to God and actually see him do some movement in your life, it is one of the best tools that we have nowadays right now to do that in. And so that is my personal encouragement to you. You'll figure out how to make the time um, because it will become important to you so quickly. I have seen um, so many stories and we, um, we celebrate it with a worship night and just seeing what happens in the lives of people as they just pursue God and take those steps is unreal. Never could have written down or imagined what God would do through those experiences. So seriously, if um, you're just like, oh, I'm not really sure, at least take an adventure, check it out and get that information out in the lobby. And then uh, secondly, I got a, a fairly good response from a handful of people that were saying, yeah, like, yeah, I might be interested in going to Israel uh, or on a Holy Land trip with you in 2020. Um, so I think we might actually pull that off. It'd be cool to see if we can fill a whole plane and go over there and see uh, the Bible come to life. And so if that's you still and you weren't here last week, you can let me know in the connection card. I'm making a group. And I think, so you're like, what does that mean? Like planning or thinking about it. We're going to have like a, a meeting where we get together. There's a Northgate U class actually right now that's going to start up. That's a virtual tour of this. Uh, as well as for planning purposes, I think that we can do the whole trip, including flights for under 2,500 bucks. For those of you who are a planner to be like, what does that mean? You could do like two weeks in Israel for that. I think that's what it's going to look like. So if you are interested, let me know. I'm putting together a group. That'll be super fun uh, just to see that come to life and uh, just a bunch of us go uh, and check it out, see what that's like. So we're in week two of this series called Mulligan, um, which is um, for those of us uh, who want to make sure that the next time is better than the last time, that it's different. It's our we're opportunity where we get to take a next shot. We get a third, fourth, fifth, sixth chance. And last week we, we ended on how God really truly is a God of hope and second and third and fourth chances, a million chances. And that is a beautiful part of the story, but we have a part in that as well, that can keep us, I think, from having a lot of pain. Um, I also use the example of directions, right? Um, because um, those people who follow directions are people who want to get it right the first time, right? And there's a lot of us who don't care to get it right the first time. So we're like, yeah, yeah, directions are for not me. And uh, I like doing things again. Directions are free people who understand the joy of reassembling things, right? <laughs> because you've gotten there and that piece just doesn't fit in there. You never imagined uh, what it would do and the part that it would play. Directions are also for people who just don't have time to do it again. And so we wanted to focus on how do we not let parts of our life become a mulligan or this thing that we have to reassemble or do again. And that way we can make the next time better than the last time or different than the last time. When it comes to things like our relationships, how do we not get into that same place again where we found ourselves there, our marriage or our job, school? And what we talk about a lot in life is like, well, most of those things just aren't my fault. It's just not my fault. It's their fault, right? And we kind of play the blame game. And what happens is when it comes to these things is we do a really good job at learning from our mistakes in the areas that matter the least, we will focus on learning our mistakes in the areas that matter the least and get good at little like, trinket things and nuances. But we have a really difficult time because we typically and often find ourselves repeating our mistakes in the areas that matter the most. 
we'll find ourselves in a place where we need a mulligan because we're repeating our mistakes in the areas that matter the most, like our finances. How did we end up here again? How did we make this decision again? The things we do at work. Why is my supervisor having the same conversation with me again? Why is it that my relationships are finding themselves in the same situation again, right? Or at school, why am I finding myself playing catch up again, right? And so we find ourselves where this next time isn't any better than the last time. And we ask ourselves, when are we going to learn the answer to these questions? And so last year, uh, last year, wow, it feels like forever. Last week, <laughs> I shared with you <laughs> three myths, right? And then three things that go with those myths. I talked about first that experience makes me wiser, right? This is a myth that experience, just because I went and experienced it, I'm now wiser because of it. It's not the truth. And today, in fact, we're actually going to focus on the truth of this, which is evaluated experience makes me wiser. Evaluated experience makes me wiser. We also talked about since I know better, I'll do better. Since I know what's good for me, obviously I'm going to do it, right? But that in reality, know better doesn't equal do better. Just because you know so doesn't mean you do so. Kids are a perfect example. And by the way, you were a kid. You have found yourself doing this even as an adult. I know, I know, I know. I know I should do that. And I know it would make me so much happier. But I won't, right? <laughs> you just find yourself in that place. It's a myth. Since I know better. Because sometimes know better doesn't mean we have the ability to do better. The ability. The self-control. The perseverance. The personal shift that has to take place in our life. That actually, hear me, has to take place in our life to actually do better and do something about it. And the last myth was, uh, time is against me. We only have today. It's right now. This sale is going to end now, right? That relationship, I'm getting old. The clock is ticking. I've got to be in another relationship now. We're going to make this decision now, right? And we talked about how actually time is my friend. It's my friend. And it's so hard to say that time is my friend because we want things now. We want answers now. We want transformation to be done now. We want to walk in here one way and leave this place another way now, right? And some of us are hanging on to that hope right now. And I really love this last week. Uh, I had about eight different emails and conversations with people who reached out and said, man, we covered a lot of really good stuff. And my community group was so much fun because we actually dove into the truth of the things you talked about. That we actually took the time to say, where in the Bible does it talk about that time is your friend? Where in Scripture do we get to hear about evaluated uh, uh, things make us wiser and how we become a wiser? Just because we know something doesn't mean we're going to do something. And the fruit that came from that. So for some of you, maybe that's an encouragement to get into a community group, if anything, that the things that we talk about for 20 to 25 minutes here would lead you to the Word this week to digest it and unpack it. And the fruit that comes from that will surprise you. The things that you learn and glean from that uh, will make you just better, right? And it's going to make the next time better. So those are some of the uh, uh, myths that we unpacked. And now I kind of want to just give you what the next three weeks look like, including this week. So the next three weeks, we're going to tackle a couple different topics. Today, we're going to talk about owning it. So how do we own the past or the things that were in the past? Next week, we're going to cover rethinking it. And then the last week, we're going to talk about how do we release it. So that way, the next time is better than the last time. And in order specifically for today to own or to ensure that your negative history doesn't repeat itself, we, me, you, 
are going to have to own our part in our negative history. Those things that have kind of thrown us off and gotten us to a place where we've got to take another shot at it, where we have to reevaluate, we have to own what went off and what went wrong and our part in our negative history so we don't drag it into the future. And for a lot of us, this is really, really, really difficult because we say this, there's nothing to own. It wasn't your fault, right? I have nothing to own. I didn't cause that to happen. That was their bad decision, right? I have nothing to own. They didn't give me the tools I needed. The whole corporation is a mess, right? My industry is dirty and messy, right? I don't have anything to own. I didn't do these things. It wasn't my fault. And your best bet, my best bet for success in the future is to own your share of the past. Your best bet for success in the future is to own your share of the past. And so that's what I want to talk about because this is really what we all deal with. We are set up, it's in our human nature to blame and to ignore our part, isn't it? We get so enamored with our story and the part that we didn't play and that was done unto us that's caused us to have to have another shot at it, that's caused us to have a fourth time around at this, that's so frustrating that we almost end up beginning telling about 90% of the story and leave out the other 10% that was ours to the degree that it just becomes truth. That that other thing that we had didn't have part of it, that we have nothing to own in this, that, that's, that that what is not real becomes truth for us in the future. And so I wanted to dig back in and say, where did this come from? And is there something we can glean from the scriptures about this? And so I'm going to go literally all the way back to the beginning. In the book of Genesis, it stands for the beginnings, where it started. We're going to look at human nature and how God created us from the get and maybe where this went off and what we can learn from this ancient, ancient, ancient history and this ancient, ancient, ancient literature by this ancient, ancient, old, old, old generation. Moses was the writer of Genesis. And we're going to hop right in. It's Genesis 1, chapter 1, right in the beginning of your Bibles. It's up here on the screen. Genesis 1, 27 says this, so God created mankind in his own image. Just right there, we could sit for a long time and unpack what that looks like. There's so much good stuff right there about how God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. The writer Moses tells us these things. And he said to them, he said, God blessed this, this male and female. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Have fun. Be naked. Run around the garden. Like, have a good old time. And they're like, wow, but are there rules, right? And God said, in fact, there's only one rule. And they're like, but wait, only one rule? This is amazing, right? What about the Ten Commandments? No, 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 that doesn't come until a long time later when you really screw it up, right? There's only one rule. The what? Only one rule. Yeah, we have, to, we have to set some type of authority because I am God. I can't be God without one rule. Here's your one rule. Don't eat from that tree. That tree right there, yeah, don't eat from that tree. You can eat anywhere else. You can run around, have a good time, own it all, right? Increase in number, be fruitful, but don't eat from that tree. Repeat after me. You don't want me to eat from that tree. That's right, only one rule. How's that look? Isn't it beautiful that when you look back at the creation as God intended it to be, that we only needed one rule? <laughs> like that's the way it was intended to be, that there was only one rule to to assert and show that there is a God or there is some sort of authority that was greater than you. There's only one rule and then it would live in this perfect harmony and be so beautiful, right? One rule. Well, what do we do when there's a rule? 
we break it. <laughs> we go, oh, that's the one thing you don't want me to do? Suddenly I didn't realize it's the one thing that I must do, right? We see this again from kids. Guess what? We turned into adults that are kids. <laughs> you asked me not to do what? Challenge accepted, right? <laughs> We're like, joke about it. We've got to go do that. It's this one rule. Just don't do that one thing. And that one thing that happened, they broke this rule. And guess what happened? It jacked us all up, right? This was the biggest rule that you could not break, and they broke it, and it not only messed them up, it messed the entire world up, and friends, it messed me and you up, because what it made us was sinners. And some of you guys are like, oh, that's a dirty word, Larry. Don't be using sinners. Yes, I'm going to tell you right now, you're at church, you are a sinner. I'm a sinner as well. And we don't like it, because it's uncomfortable, and it sounds really aggressive, and we like need our blankie then to be uncomfortable. And we're like, well, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I can own all of that. Here's the deal. Call it what you want to call it. You don't even keep your own rules, right? You said you were going to work out three times this week, and you did one, or you did none, and you made up an excuse that made you feel better, right? You don't even exercise that much. You eat stuff that's bad for you, and you know it. You're like, this is horrible. This is going to mess me up, and then you do it. You say unkind things to other people and feel guilty about it, and then you say it again. <laughs> and if I could get into your brain, you sinner, right? <laughs> the things I would be shocked by, I'm sure. You, friends, cannot even break your own bad habits, me included. Come on. You don't need the Bible to tell you. You know it. Call it what you want to call it. You're a sinner. Welcome to church. I just did the bad, mean thing. And there's something we can do about it. And part of that's owning our responsibility in that. And you don't need anyone else to tell you that this is what's going on. So this one rule, right, they happen to break. And God ends up showing up in the scene. And it says that the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of the Lord God. And he was walking in the garden, his garden that he created in the cool of the day. And get this, they hid. They hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. Isn't it so crazy that in this ancient old literature that they nailed it, they put, they put it right on the head of where it happens. When we are filled with guilt and shame, when we sin, when things are broken, what do we do? We hide. We hide. And that's exactly what they did. The first people hide, right? And we, we look back and we're like, oh, wow, that's their fault. Yeah, if you are new to this whole thing, you know who Jesus is and God is, we have somebody to blame. It's these people. You're just on your own going, why is my life screwed up? It's these people. They hid, right? Just like we hide. And sometimes we hide for a really long time, for years and years and years, and drag something in there. And we stay hidden among the trees and the garden, and everyone else is around us, and everyone thinks it's just happy as it goes, but they don't know the brokenness that's going on inside of us, the, the rules that we've break into ourselves and to other people. When we do something wrong, we hide, and we hide not only from ourselves, but we hide from people around us because specifically of guilt and shame. And that's why when we get caught, that we'll see right here, you'll find a lot of times that we'll say, I'm sorry, but no one believes us because we've been hiding for so long, right? We've just been covering it up for so long. But the Lord called to them. This is so good. It says, when he, but the Lord called to the man, where are you? I love that. Maybe we could just sit in that for a second. 
maybe this is what some of you just actually need to hear. In the midst of your guilt and your shame and your hiding, God will call for you. I love that he went and sought after them and they became found by him. Maybe you need to know that good truth today. That in the midst of your hiding, of your guilt and your shame from your past or whatever reason it is you're needing a mulligan right now, that God will call and say, where are you? Where are you? And so he answered, Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. I I had shame. And so I hid. God went looking for them. And he said to him, but wait a minute, but wait a minute. Who told you that you were naked? Who said that you have any kind of shame? Have you eaten from that tree that I commanded, the one rule told you not to eat from? And so Adam said, yes, I did. And I take full responsibility for my actions. Do with me as you will, but leave Eve out of it. She is innocent, right? (laughs) That's, that's, That's what he should have said, right? It's not true. It's not real scripture. We'll read the real thing. Those of you who aren't laughing and wondering why everybody else is laughing, we grew up in church. It's ha, ha, ha. That jerk didn't do that. (laughs) The very first thing they do, and he does when they get caught, is blame. The very first thing they do after they get caught is blame someone else. He says this, the man actually said, this is real. The man said, sorry, now you're questioning everything. Where is this? I've had a point to prove for years. (laughs) What version? This is the message. It's got to be the message. Sorry, more inside joke stuff. Okay, sorry. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it, which is like half truth, half not. I mean, essentially he's saying, God, you did this. You put the woman here. She gave it to me. And it sounds like you need to go find the woman and have a conversation. You guys go work it out. And then you need to come and find me. And then you can apologize because you came at me real hard. You came at me real hard right there. And I don't know what's going on. I'm sitting here naked in the bushes. And I am looking for somebody to blame. So you and Eve do your thing, God, and I'll teach you about forgiveness. Yeah, I'm waiting. Golly. (laughs) If you don't own your own part, friends, in all seriousness and love, if you don't own your part of your own history, you are laying the groundwork. I am laying the groundwork to undermine our future, to undermine my future. So God says, what? You broke the rule? What happened, Eve? And then she said, the serpent deceived me. Blame. And then I ate it. Truth, right? There's parts in this that's true and you have to own. And there's parts of this that's just blame and, and putting it on somebody else. If you don't pause, and I want us to get this so clearly, if we don't pause and take responsibility for our part in history, we will drag it into the future. You can't blame your way into a better future. You can't blame your way into a better future, continually pointing at everyone else's fault, why you keep ending up in this spot. And we do it because it's convenient and because it keeps us from the emotional distraction and weight that we'll carry with it, right? Not only that, blame enables you to smuggle your issues into the future. 
Blame can smuggle, uh, enable you to smuggle your issues into the future. It's like carrying it in your back pocket wherever you go. This is how we can smuggle our daddy and our mommy issues into some relationship and how we're treated. This is how we smuggle that, that, that way that our demeanor and the way we act with people that we need to prove our blind spots that we are not so blind anymore into our job situations, right? Into our relationships. We smuggle it in there. Blame allows us because we're pointing at someone else. We can't look back and own our part. It allows us to hide. And, and really what blame does is it sets us up for a repeat performance. It sets us up to be able to take another shot at it again down the road. A little bit more broken, a little bit more frustrated, maybe a little bit more angry that we found ourselves here. And often it points back to blaming something else, right? Jesus said something that was so profound in the New Testament on the Sermon on the Mount. And a lot of times we can just read right over it. He said this in Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Essentially saying that there is a relationship between purity and clarity and seeing. There is a relationship between purity and owning something and getting rid of it and understanding what your peace is and clarity. So you can move the future. That will help the emotions come down and the story that you were part of before just doesn't feel as big or as overwhelming anymore where it continues to be dragged into the future. So real quick to wrap this whole thing up today for us to be able to take it home. You can do this on notes if you have them. You can write this. You can watch me write this. You can do this at home and draw a bunch of circles. The first thing I want you to do is draw a circle because this is going to be helpful for you to figure out what your part is, right? So a lot of times we can take our situation, the past, whatever is taking place here, and we'll say, what, uh, what was my part? Well, the first thing a lot of us will do is like, um, nothing. This was all them. They made this decision. They need to own it. They wronged me, right? Here's one of the few circumstances, just to clear the air before I get in further into this, that I will say there's some truth to that. For those of you who have had something done unto you that should not have been done, when it comes to some sort of brokenness of abuse in any shape or form that someone has put on you or done to you, I am not asking you to evaluate your part. There is no reason for that. Outside of that, and I think that you can hopefully appropriately determine this, this whole activity that we're going to go through, where that works best for you. So there are some things, very few things, that people have made a decision in their own sin and brokenness to put on you, and that's not okay. And you don't have to own that. You don't have to own their, their, their problem, their mistakes. But other things, yeah, there's a part you play. So then you might say, oh, wow, I'm going to be this really kind and generous person. We did this together, so it's 50-50. You're crazy. This isn't reality either. You're just a really nice person to say like, yeah, we both own it half and half. That's just like sloppy and you're not going to learn anything from that. That's just be reality. And you're like the nicest human being that ever lived. Okay. So that's not true either. Cause I know you. <laughs> All right. Here's what it probably really looks like. Here's the problem. And we say, we own that piece. <laughs> so we say, this is a piece of the pie. This is that other person. 
She made that decision. He made that decision, right? We need to figure out this piece because what happens is in these situations where it goes bad and where there's a ton of emotional hurt, a ton of pain, a ton of frustration, like everything that you can think of when it's real big, right? And it's a loss or a transition that you did not plan for or a fail that you did not expect again, right? It is really hard to see this because all we can see is this. And to move forward to make sure that the next time isn't like the last time, we have to figure out what this is. And we have to own it and not blame everything else or we'll find ourselves in the same spot. The more painful, extreme, bigger emotional part that is, the less we're willing to look at and figure out what is our part. So I wanted to share with you just a couple of these, maybe to help stir something up as you go and do this on your own, or some of you can do it right now. You can draw a couple circles, you can draw 10 circles as you evaluate. That for some of us, it's, this, is, this is what makes it real. This is reality. And for some of us, it's emotional. Some of us, is embarrassing. This is what this looks like. I had a feeling something wasn't right. I had a feeling something was right, but I was, I was, I was afraid. I was afraid to dig around and discover the truth. Because in reality, I already made up my decision. I already had made my decision in my mind about what I wanted to do. So if I look at it, I, I have to own that. I, I had a feeling something wasn't right, and I didn't do anything about it because I had already made a decision. I have to own that, that I, didn't, I had let it go. And I can't find myself in that place again. People I trusted, people I trusted warmed me, but I didn't listen. If I look back at that situation, if I look back at what was going on, yeah, I can remember. There are some people that I trusted, and they, they warned me, but I didn't listen. I have to own that. I, have to, I actually have to own that little piece, even though that hurt a lot, and I was just enamored with the situation. I didn't listen. I stayed too long. I stayed too long. I'm, I'm a mess because they are unhealthy, but I stayed too long. They are unhealthy, and they really messed me up. But I, I stayed too long. I've got to own that. Next time I can't, I can't let that happen. I was greedy. <laughs> it's just what it was. If you look at it, I was just greedy. I just was thinking about me. I wasn't thinking about anybody else. I was lonely. I was lonely. Yeah, I know, like, I don't, I don't normally do those things. I wouldn't have normally gone home like that. I wouldn't have normally stayed out that late. I wouldn't have normally engaged in that type of conversation, but I was just lonely. I have to own that, that that was my part. It was just lonely. It was jealousy. I was jealous. I wanted to have a part of something, too. When I look back at it, 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 the part that maybe I need to own is that, yeah, I was, I was jealous in that situation. I should have confronted it, but I was afraid. At the core of me, I was scared and I was afraid, but I should have confronted it. Maybe it would be different. If I actually look back at it, yes, they did this. Yes, this happened. Yes, it was a mess, but I should have confronted it. It was just lust. Just good old-fashioned lust. I got nothing else. Just kind of found myself in that situation. Yeah, I see the results of it. I didn't mean for it to happen to that person. 
I've never done anything like it before. You know, I went to church. I grew up in this good home. had good morals, family. But yeah, it was just good old-fashioned lust. I didn't do my best. If, if I really evaluate the situation, I mean, my boss wasn't that great. The goals weren't really that set up that well. There was kind of, if I really just look at it, you're right. I mean, I have to own that. I really didn't do my best. I didn't really feel a need in it, but look at the result it ended up in. Now I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm hurt. But if, but if I look back at that, I, I didn't. I didn't give it my best. I should have left, but I was embarrassed. I should have left. I should have gotten out of that, but I was embarrassed. I kept telling myself I can handle it. I kept telling myself I can handle it, that I can fix this, that it's going to be okay but I couldn't, and I need to own that because that wasn't mine to own. Those are just a few of the real-life examples. As you evaluate and as you go home and you draw a ton of circles, if you want the next time to be better than the last time, we have to figure out what part we must own to move on and to move forward. Then what do we do with that? What do we do with that? We talked about it last week in Romans 8, 28. That with this, with this stuff that we have to own, in our own brokenness, in our own mess, right? In this big picture where, where something has been done to this, but our part, that we can be confident, it says in eight, Romans 8, 28, that we can be confident that God works in this and this for the good. That he works for the good for those who love him, for those who love him. And that he has purpose for your pain, your story, your blame, and everything you've been a part of. So this next time can be different and better than the last time. Your life can be better if you use him as your anchor and your hope. And that's the beautiful part of the God story that we started today right in the very beginning. Is this beautiful pursuit that God has with humanity and me and you and our brokenness because we're sinners. So for some of you, your step today is repentance because maybe this is you. (laughs) Maybe you're like, well, we're going to be real honest. Let's be real honest. (laughs) They did this. I did this because I'm a mess. There's hope. There's repentance. There's God. And Jesus. And that's why he's so, 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 so good to us. Would you stand up? If you're here with us today, that's our theology. That's the story. It's the story of who God is. It's a true story. And um, you haven't experienced it until you've experienced it. Until you find yourself repeating the same things. Until you find yourself where you just feel like you're at a dead end or you feel dead. And you need to be made into something new that you never imagined. That's the transformation work of Jesus. You can, you can have that today if you allow him to, which means giving him all of this, surrendering it over. Some of you in here finding yourselves are just broken. Broken because of all of this pain and this hurt. But I'm going to tell you right now, and I believe this with all of my heart, that God and that through Jesus, he can do a mending work on this side of eternity to work on this little piece of you if you give it to him.
So that way this next time you can have courage and you can have boldness and you can have faith in the midst of your fear, your hurt, your loneliness, and your anger. And friends, if you're in here today and you're feeling lost, there's nothing so lost that God cannot find again. He showed us from the get (laughs) that he will find you in the midst of your hiding and your guilt and shame. And he loves you enough to continue to pursue you. You will be found by him if you allow him to find you. So don't leave this place today without letting him do that transformative work in you. If you feel it stirring up, don't walk from here. I have a great next step for you. For some of you, it's this booklet. It's called This Changes Everything. Um, It's a next step. It's a great journey to see who God is and what this is all about and surrender and what that looks like. Um, We have these as a free gift. It's out in the lobby. You can grab that, even if you're just exploring. For some of you, it's going to go home and draw a ton of circles. All right. What do I actually need to own in this thing so I can move on? Circle away, friend. Do it by yourself. (laughs) Or do it with somebody else that's going to encourage you and own it with you, right? And for some of you, friends, today, just your next step is just simply letting go and letting God so the next time isn't like the last time. And letting the God of second, third, fourth, and fifth chance do his work in you that only he can do. Amen? Uh, If this is uh, one of your first times with us, I'm so glad you're here. Come back next week as we talk about how we rethink this and then we release this stuff for the future. Um, I'm um, just so thankful for the opportunity to get to know you, and we get to do that through our new friends desk. So go stop by, meet a friendly face. Um, There's great next steps actually out in the lobby. Rooted is out there. A ton of really great classes for Northgate U if you want to get connected. Um, Just pursue God. Just take a next step. It would be great. And uh, thank you for your generosity. From the Dollar Club, which was really nothing, to just your generosity, which becomes in huge, gigantic ways that makes impact on the kingdom around here, the bay, and the world. And uh, I'm just so thankful for that. Let me send you off with a blessing. That's uh, the blessing. We have this posture of just receiving and giving. God, may we be released today by owning something that's ours to own, but would you be the thing that just scoops it up and loves us through it um, and gives us freedom. We love you. Friends, I love you. I'll see you next week.